and found the ex-banker, ex-ambassador to Constantinople, and patron of Voltaire, at a table in a tent, very busy writing. "'Good afternoon, Major Wyndham,' said he, looking up. "'You have made good speed hither, which is commendable.' "'So your letter bade me, sir.' "'Yes,' said Sir Everard, laying down his pen. "'I sent for you, by His Royal Highness's recommendation, "'to request your assistance on a certain matter of importance "'to His Majesty's government. "'If you can give it, you will lay not only me, "'but the Duke, also, under a considerable obligation.' "'If you will tell me what the matter is,' murmured Keith, amazed. "'To be able to lay Cumberland under an obligation "'was a chance not to be made light of,' but he could not for the life of him imagine how he had it in his power to do so unlikely a thing. "'I have for some time,' proceeded Sir Everard, fingering the sheets before him, "'been collecting evidence against such prisoners in Inverness and elsewhere as are to be sent to England in order to take their trials. Yesterday I received a letter from the Lord Justice Clerk in Edinburgh, transmitting a copy of the Duke of Newcastle's order that prisoners are to set out as soon as may be, and that particular care is to be taken that the witnesses sent to give evidence against them should be able to prove. He took up a paper and read from it, that they had seen the prisoners do some hostile act on the part of the rebels, or marching with the rebel army. You appreciate that point, of course. Certainly, agreed Keith, but surely there is no lack of such evidence. No, in most cases there is not, replied the secretary. But, to come to the point, we have here in Fort Augustus a prisoner of some importance, who is most undoubtedly guilty of overt acts of hostility in this late unnatural rebellion, but to my chagrin, and his royal highnesses, I cannot put my hand on any person who actually saw him commit such acts, and though there must be numbers who witnessed them, not even on anyone who observed him in the company of the rebels. There is indeed a probability, but only a probability, that if he is sent to Fort William, he may be identified by some one or other as having taken part in the attack upon it in the spring, for it is pretty certain that he was there with Cameron of Lochiel. The prisoner's name, by the way, he added, with a carelessness too complete to be quite natural, is also Cameron, Ewan Cameron of Ardroy. There was a silence in the tent. So he is still here, said Keith under his breath. And that is why you have sent for me, Sir Everard because you think that I can supply the evidence which will bring Cameron of Ardroy to the scaffold. He checked himself, and added in a studiously expressionless tone, Why, to what do you suppose that I can witness against him? Deceived, perhaps, by the manner of his last words, Sir Everard referred complacently to his notes. I understand that you can testify to his taking you prisoner by force on the outbreak of hostilities at Highbridge and Lochaber. That, in itself, would be more than sufficient, but it seems that you also encountered him in Edinburgh, and can therefore bear witness to his being in the pretender's son's so-called army. Keith stared at Sir Everard Faulkner's wig, which was awry, with dismay in his soul. Surely Ardroy could not have been so mad as to have admitted these facts, which he had so carefully suppressed, to anyone at Fort Augustus. Who told you these details, sir? not that I admit their truth. Major Guthrie, of Campbell's regiment, was so obliging as to mention to me the service which you could render to the government in this matter. And he had the facts, it seems, from you yourself, shortly after the victory on Culloden Moor. 
release from your duties at Inverness, pursued Sir Everard amiably, can easily be obtained, Major Wyndham, and no expense would be occurred by you for your journey to Carlisle. It would be defrayed. But Keith was not listening. He was wishing that he had Guthrie in some private spot with a couple of swords between them. <laughs> no, better, one horsewhip. This was his crowning piece of malevolence. Sir Everard stopped short in his beguiling recital, which had reached the assurance that the Duke would not forget the service which the hearer was about to render. "'What is the matter, Major Wyndham? he inquired. "'You seem discomposed. Has Major Guthrie misinformed me?' Keith did not answer that question. "'Why does not Major Guthrie go as witness himself?' he asked, in a half-choked voice. Or well, because he cannot testify to overt acts, as you can, explained Sir Everard. It is true that he captured Cameron of Ardroy, badly wounded, and there is no room for doubt where he took those wounds, but a jury might not convict on that evidence alone, whereas yours, Major Wyndham. Whereas mine, supposing it to be what you say, would successfully hang him, finished Keith, looking straight at the secretary. Sir Everard nodded with a gratified expression. You would have the satisfaction of rendering that service to His Majesty, and at the same time, if you'll permit me to be frank, Major Wyndham, of purging yourself of any suspicion of undue tenderness towards the rebels. I fancy, he added, with an air of finesse, that the accusation arose in connection with this very man, you and Cameron, did it not? You see how triumphantly you could clear your honour of any such aspersions. And Sir Everard smiled good-humouredly. "'My honour must be in a sad case, sir,' said Keith, "'if to act hangman to a man who spared my own life will cleanse it. "'I am obliged to you for your solicitude, but I must beg to decline. "'Had it been some other rebel, I might perhaps have been able to gratify you, "'but against Cameron of Ardroy I cannot and will not give evidence. "'I will therefore wish you good day.' "'He bowed and turned to go, inwardly seething. "'Stop, stop!' cried Sir Everard, jumping up. But it was not his summons which stayed Keith, in whose head at that moment was some wild idea of going to search for Major Guthrie, but the fact that he almost collided with a stout young officer of exalted rank just coming through the aperture of the tent. Keith hastily drew back, came to attention, and saluted respectfully, for it was Cumberland himself. The Duke took no notice of him, but went straight over to his secretary, there had come in with him another stout officer of high rank, twenty years or so his senior, in whom Keith recognized the Earl of Albemarle. The couple of aide-de-camps who followed posted themselves just inside the tent door. "'I hope you have completed those damned tiresome notes about evidence, Faulkner,' said the prince rather fretfully, "'for there are a thousand and one matters to be attended to before tomorrow, and Lord Albemarle also desires some talk with you.' "'All are in order, Your Royal Highness.' "'responded Sir Everard deferentially, "'save the case of Cameron of Ardry, "'for which we shall have to rely on evidence at Fort William. "'With your permission, my lord,' "'he turned to the Earl of Albemarle, "'I will speak to your secretary about it. "'But have you not summoned Major Wyndham "'from Inverness, as I bade you?' "'exclaimed the Duke. "'You told me yourself that his testimony would be invaluable. "'Why the devil didn't you send for him?' Oh, "'Your Royal Highness's commands were obeyed to the letter.' "'responded Sir Everard with some stiffness. "'But it seems that Major Wyndham has scruples "'about giving his testimony. 
as he can explain in person to your royal highness, since he is present. Cumberland swung round his book with an alertness which showed his five-and-twenty years. He glanced at Keith, standing motionless at the side of the tent. I won't give it. His scruples. Oh, nonsense. You must have misunderstood him, Faulkner. Write a line to Major General Blakeney at once, informing him that Major Wyndham is seconded as he sets out with me for England tomorrow. Now, Major, you see how easy it is to leave your new regiment. So no difficulty remains, eh? Keith's head went round. Advancement at last, and good-bye to Scotland. But his heart was cold. There was a condition to this favour, impossible of fulfilment. He came forward a little. If the honour your Royal Highness designs to do me, he said in a very low voice, depends upon my giving evidence against Cameron of Ardroy, I must beg leave 